Um, I'm going to invite Bruce to come and give, our, give us our Bible reading. That'd be great. And then our vicar, Matt Bray, he's going to come and share with us. He's going to be continuing our series on Breakthrough. Um, and uh, yeah, really looking forward to hearing from Matt as he comes and shares. But Bruce, come on up, mate, and um, come and share God's word with us. Uh, reading is taken from Mark 5, verses 24 to 34. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she'd spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Bruce. It's, uh, good morning, everyone. My name's uh, Matt. As Gareth said, I am your vicar, and um, you're all very pleased about it. Last, last week, I started a little mini-series, uh, a mini-series, really, uh, my reflections as your vicar of uh, my, my sort of reflections and thoughts off the back of what's been um, called the the Asbury Revival, this, this outpouring of, of God, this outpouring of God's Spirit in this university in America. And I've been reflecting through it and reflecting through the lens of this idea of breakthrough. Last week, I talked about how that breakthrough is what we all want in our lives. We want breakthrough, breakthrough which leads to life in, uh, in our own lives, in our marriages, for our kids, for our families, for our health, for our workplaces, for the people of the Bay, and so on. We want to see God do amazing things and pour out his spirit in, in that same way. And I've been thinking about the steps to breakthrough, believing that breakthrough is possible. Breakthrough is possible. And last week and this week and now actually next week as well, I've added another one. I said I'd do two weeks, but I've added another one. I want to unpack some sort of necessary ingredients that if we want to see breakthrough happen, this is what we might want to put into play. Again, the caveat being that I gave last week, the, these, these things that I'm talking about, um, uh, there's no sort of guarantee that do these things and then you, will, then you will see that specific breakthrough that you're after. But certainly upon reflecting on this stuff, I've noticed that breakthrough doesn't happen without them. So we may as well get all bases covered. Last week, we looked at repentance and surrender. In repentance, we find forgiveness. We find the forgiveness of God. And in surrender, we find life. Repentance gets us back on track. In turning away from wrongdoing and, and getting back on track, we, we find ourselves on the right path. And then through surrender, that's where we receive God's strength and God's power to help us to stay 
on track. Next week, I'm going to be thinking about um, worship and the idea of devotion. Uh, But this morning, I want to talk about hunger and desire. Hunger and desire. Specifically, hunger for God. So breakthrough is possible when we hunger for God. I grew up in the Baptist church, and then I became an Anglican, but I spent a lot of time with some Pentecostal churches and as I was growing up. So I, I, um, I don't want you to make me feel at home in the Anglican church. I want you to make me feel at home in the Pentecostal church. So if I say, if I say anything that you like, enjoy, you can give me a good British nod, or a like, yeah, okay, that, um, that's good. Or my favorite, you ain't lying. You ain't lying, preacher. You can feel free to um, give me a little feedback as we go on. Hunger for God, hunger. You can probably tell, but I get hungry a lot. And I'm, I'm currently on another wave of a bit of a health drive. It, it sort of comes and goes. And they say, if, when you're trying to eat more healthily and you start to feel hungry, they say to test whether you are hungry, you should drink a glass of water or eat an apple just to test if you are really, really hungry. Which, let's be honest, is the most boring advice I've ever heard in my life. Let's get some chocolate, let's get some Doritos and eat them at the same time. Don't, yeah. <laughs> Don't knock it until you've tried it. Last week, I talked about this innate desire within us that we have to surrender ourselves to something. We were born and we were created to worship God, to give our hearts to God and to surrender to God. But if we don't give it to God, if we don't surrender our hearts to God, there's no neutral ground in the life of faith. And so we end up giving it to something else. And usually those things that we give our hearts to and and our love to, they end up costing us. They take something from us and it drains us and it doesn't lead to life. And the same is true of hunger. Inbuilt within us, we have this spiritual hunger that only finds its satisfaction in God. Nothing else will ever truly satisfy this deepest longing and desire and hunger within us. No pill, no liquid, no substance, no person, no app, no uh, material thing can ultimately meet our greatest need. But much like chocolate and Doritos or whatever it is for you, alcohol, we're drawn to these things to meet that hunger because they're attractive. Things that the world offers us, uh, to that, that is the path to life, the promises life, the sort of the do what makes you happy mantras of the world that seem right and might seem attractive, but follow through. They actually take us away from the life that God has for us. John Piper, uh, theologian, pastor, preacher, John Piper says that the greatest enemy of hunger is not poison, but it's apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but it's the endless nibbling at the table of the world. Let me throw one more challenging thought at you before I lighten things up again. But pastor and author Mark Batson, he goes even stronger. He says, if you aren't hungry for God, it's, as if you, you're, it's because you're full of yourself or you're full of something else. And that's why God cannot fill you with his spirit. It's important that we direct our spiritual hunger towards the things of God. 
Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And Jesus elsewhere says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They will be filled. And that's what we want. That's what we want. Today, I've got a few thoughts on how to get that, how to stir up that hunger and feed that hunger. From the story that we read about this woman who had been suffering for years, she shows us that breakthrough is possible when we seek to satisfy our desires in the person of Jesus. Here's what she did. She showed up, she reached out, and she found freedom. And so that's what I want to draw out, to, uh, draw out today for us. Show up, reach out, and find freedom in God. So let's look at show up. If we want to see breakthrough happen, we need to show up. We need to be there and be present. Right, it's been over a year now, and it's finally time to tell you about my competitive mini golf days. Something everyone thinks is a joke, but is 100% true, is that I used to be a competitive mini golfer. Fee and I, you still don't believe me, it's, it's true. Fee and I moved to Hastings in 2014 and little did we know that it was home of one of the most important competitions in the world of mini golf. Now Fiona started working in London while we we're in Hastings and the commute from Hastings to London is just massive. So what she'd do is she'd get the train on Monday morning and then she'd come back like Friday evening. Uh, terrible marriage advice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that on anyone's relationship. But what it meant was is that I had a lot of free time. And I became very good at mini golf. <laughs> so good, in fact, that one of my friends encouraged me to participate in the World Crazy Golf Championships held in Hastings, which, by the way, is happening this weekend. I'm surprised you're all here. I'm surprised you're not there. And I went for it. I showed up, I entered, and I did my best, and I ended up actually um, winning in the novice category and a nice little prize of 50 pounds. Woo! I got a taste for it, so I became a member of the British Mini Golf Association, and I went back the year after. Here I am in this picture playing in the next year. Look at that concentration. Just look at that form. And um, that, that time I won 300 pounds in that event. If I hadn't shown up, I wouldn't be the mini golfer I am today. Side note, just side note, the new dinosaur mini golf at the end of the pier. Have you played it yet? It's amazing. It's phenomenal. I, I challenge any of you to beat my score of 34 that I got on Friday. That's 18 holes. Someone's going to quickly do the math and realize that there's a few more hole-in-ones than you're expecting. Breakthrough doesn't happen if we don't show up. A lot of my friends said, oh, yeah, I could have done that. I said, but you didn't. You, you didn't. You didn't show up. You didn't take part. You didn't enter. You didn't get involved. That's showing up physically, but also showing up spiritually, showing up mentally. We need to show up. The woman in our passage, uh, it says that when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She'd heard about Jesus. And she'd gone through all this thing in her life and her, her situation had just got worse. But she heard that Jesus was around. So she showed up to the place where Jesus was to get that healing, to, to meet that need that she wanted. She showed up. She came up behind him. She found her way, showed up. And man, I bet she's glad that she did. 
I shared my, a little bit of my story last week, but I'm so glad that I showed up that one Sunday evening to church in St. Peter's Brighton, that one night when I, I thought I was done with church and God, and I was giving God one last chance, and I showed up at church and, and just experienced this amazing love uh, of God for my, for my life again. How can we show up in our lives? How, can, how, how might we show up in our lives? Well, three things. Uh, show up in private, show up in person, show up in public. Show up in private. That's, that's, your own, that's your own private prayer life, spiritual life, your, your, your Bible readings. That's how you feed uh, that hunger. Do, doing things in, in the quiet of your hearts privately. Showing up to pray, spending time with God, listening and talking to God in prayer. The great spiritual thinker uh, Ronald Rollheiser says in his book titled Prayer, he says, we need to show up to pray and show up regularly. Showing up in private, show up to pray and to be with God. Showing up in person, in person, come on a Sunday, prioritize Sunday because we're showing up for God and expecting him to do something amazing in our hearts. I, I really hope that you, you, you don't come, well, if, if you do come for this reason, it's okay. It's, it's, but I really hope that for a lot of us, we don't come to Bay Church because it's nice, because it's good coffee. I'm told I hate the stuff, but I really hope you come because of a hunger that you have, a desire that you have to meet with God, to experience his spirit, to be encouraged by the wider church family around you. Let's continue to show up, to raise our faith for what's possible within this small amount of time that we get to share together each week so that we can leave feeling encouraged, inspired, and confident to then show up in public, at the school gate, in the coffee shop, in the office, in the classroom, in your sphere of influence, wherever you are, with the people that you're around, to the people who bring life, to be the people who bring life to every situation, to the different places and the corners of the bay and beyond. Let's show up in private. Let's show up in person here. And then let's go and show up in public for the glory of God. Breakthrough is possible, but we need a hunger for God. So let's firstly show up. Everybody say show up. Show up. Now we're going to reach out. Reach out. Secondly, let's reach out. Showing up is the first step. But whatever it is that we're after, whatever it is that we're hoping to then receive from God, we need to reach out for it. We need to be bold and confident in asking for that thing. I've recently started doing this thing in the office uh, where I refer to someone else's food or someone else's drink as uh, with the word share in front of it. And so I go, oh, Faith, is that share chocolate? And it turns out it always is. It, and it's always faith too. I'm so sorry, faith. The audacity and the cheek of me. But when it comes to your spiritual life, we need to be audacious. We need to be confident to reach out for that very thing that we want. God wants you to come to him in everything and for everything. He is the one who satisfies that hunger and he wants us to reach out to him for it. Let's look at that passage again. It said, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. What incredible faith 
and audacity. If I just touch his clothes, if I just get close enough, if I just reach out, then I'll find my healing. Then I'll get my breakthrough. I think maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a British thing that a lot of us don't approach God in that way. And I think we need to almost ask God for an increase of like what I would call holy desperation in our approach to God, that we would have the audacity to reach out and ask God for the things that we so desperately want in our lives. Even the world's culture recognizes the need to reach out. All over social media, you'll see these things around mental health and uh, reaching out whenever we're struggling or reaching out to someone who may be struggling, checking in with our friends who may be hurting, going through stuff. I love this, uh, Charlie Mackesy, who released this book, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And there's this one quote where he says, what's the bravest thing you've ever said? Asked the boy. Help, said the horse. Asking for help. We have the best person to reach out to, the best source to ask for help in God and in Christ, the one who created us and so then knows us better than we know ourselves, who knows what, what we need, the one who the Bible tells us to cast our cares onto him because he cares for us. Reach out, reach out to God and ask for that very thing that you need. How? How do we do that? Well, through our posture, through our praise, and through our prayer. Now, I've dropped some amazing alliteration today, and I'm not sure it's quite got the appreciation that it has deserved. That's six Ps, and I'm about to drop a seventh in a minute as well. Re okay, now, reach out. Reach out with our posture. Posture yourselves towards God. Posture your heart in a way to reach out and to receive. This is why this is almost, it's a Bay Church thing that we do where we, where we always give an opportunity to receive uh, from God, to, re to ask God's spirit to fill us. And we adopt a posture of holding out our hands in front of us when we pray. It's an act of reaching out. It's a, it's a, it's a posture of our heart as much as it is our hands. Let's say, God, I'm ready to receive what you have for me. And you can do that, that posturing of your heart anywhere. It's not just here, but it's, but it's when you, before you uh, do the school run, that's stressful enough as it is, right? Or before you enter into certain situations to hold out your hand and say, God, I posture my heart towards you. Come and fill me with your spirit and openness that is to be guided by him, asking God to open our eyes to see the world as he sees the world, to see the situations where he's working, to see the, the, the world and the situations where he wants us to, to help in, to open our ears, to be able to hear what's going on, to hear his voice, to, to hear the cry of people around us, their needs and their hopes and their desires. Posture ourselves and perhaps also, here's the seventh one, position ourselves, position ourselves before God. I, I'd love it, I'd love it if if you guys were fighting for the front two rows at church on Sunday, literally we'd have to break up fights because you're so hungry to get to the front because that's where that you just need to step up and then you're receiving prayer ministry at the end. You've like halved your journey. I'd love be closest to, to not the action, but, but that, it's that posture of our heart. Often the, the material matches with the, with the spiritual as we hold our hands that affect us saying, God, I want to receive from you. And then positioning ourselves forward to say, oh, I, just, I just need God. I'm hungering for God today. Reach out through our posture. Then our praise. 
because how we worship has an impact as well. Worship is, is not Christian karaoke, but it's an opportunity to experience God's presence. And that's whether you're a charismatic, woo, that's whether you're a Baptist. I'm joking. I grew up a Baptist, so I can say these things. Or whether you're unsure and you're unsure what you think of God. God wants to meet with you through worship. So how we posture ourselves in our praise is really, really important. And then reaching out through prayer, through prayer, but the receiving kind of prayer. God can meet you in worship individually, and I bet he was in the room when we were having that amazing time of worship earlier. But sometimes God uses the voice of another person to speak life and encouragement to you. And it's so important to let people pray for you. Our routine here every week is to invite people forward to receive prayer, to give that space and to say, come, if you want to receive prayer today for anything. And I think frustratingly, I think there's a stigma attached to coming forward for prayer. Again, maybe it's a British thing where we say, I don't want to be seen as the person who like needs that. But we all need that. We all need it. We all need it. I remember the months and the years after having encountered God in St. Peter's Brighton that Sunday night and then rededicating my life to God. And I just threw myself at church and God and Jesus. I just threw myself at it all. Um, and I would, I, I would, I'd go with this hunger and this desire every week to church. And I would go forward for prayer every week. Sometimes it was like, oh, I think there's this, like, uh, this woman who uh, needs, like, the, uh, there'll be a word of knowledge and it's be a woman for like, her hand and maybe uh, a bit of RSI. Come forward for prayer. And I'd be like, ah, it doesn't matter. I'm coming forward for prayer. I, just, I was that hungry, that desperate. That, I had that desire in me that I just wanted to meet with God and have someone pray with me like that. It was so, so life-giving. I encourage you, some of you go away, a lot of you go away from, from the 10 without having had someone pray for you. And you may be okay with that. But I'm not okay with that. I want to pray for you. I want to get, get beside you and pray for you. I want to see God move in your life. I want to send you out of this place, not with just a happy feeling, but having met and encountered the risen Christ. That's what I want to do. And so let's show up. And let's reach out through our posture, through our praise, and through receiving prayer. Show up, reach out, and then find freedom. Just to, to finish, I, I, nothing really to add to these, uh, just these two verses in the passage that we read. Verse 29, it said, Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And then verse 34, it's Jesus' words to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In Jesus, we find true satisfaction for that spiritual hunger. And in Jesus, we find freedom. So what would it look like? Imagine your life now. What would it look like to live with that sort of hunger and desire for more of God? How might it affect our private prayer life? How might it affect the way that we show up in person, in church? And how might it be how we hold ourselves in public to those around us? What change is needed in our posture towards God? What barriers need to come down? 
What needs to get out of the way so that we can posture ourselves right before God to receive from him? And what, what, what needs to change in how we engage in worship, it mentally, physically, and spiritually, and in our hearts? What needs to change? And, and how might we normalize being in everyday conversation and actually saying, oh, could you pray for me? Let's pray right now in this moment. How might we, what might need to change in our posture, in our praise, and in our prayer? My prayer is that we would be a church and a family that is known for its deep hunger for Jesus. Spirit-led, faith-walking, prayer-receiving, world-changing people of God. And of course, it's not a vision Sunday, but by doing so, I do believe that we will see Jesus love, the church alive and society transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand?